The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Out of fear. Out of anguish. Out of betrayal. Rune creates the men of mud to do his bidding. As Cassandra, the High Mother, mourns for the loss of her children. While at the cottage, one last visitor has arrived. Scarred from life, scarred from battle, the strange Mr. Alistair joins the fray. <laughs> Will we learn another twisted truth on this Tentacle Tuesday? I wonder. For the cult has twisted the lives of so many souls. As usual, I need to give you a gentle reminder that this podcast does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and naughty, salty language. Now... It's time to grab your tentacles, perhaps some soul food, <laughs> as we rejoin our story with Chapter 17, The Men of Mud. The sound of the temple gong rang through the temple of INA. The incessant nature reflecting the fury of the person ringing it, each stroke containing the vicious sentiment forcing Master Rune to rise from his personal chambers. I will vivisect the fool ringing that gong, he thought to himself as he headed down the hallways. As he passed the altar of Sheklathor, he paused and frowned. The knife of Nylas Garant and the cup used for the infusion ceremony were missing. Claire Thomas, damn that doll! She was more troubled than she was worth. He would need to converse with the High Mother before taking punitive action. The gong continued to toll. Room stormed into the chambers and hollered, Enough! His blood froze immediately after the statement. A pale, naked woman with long black hair still dripping the oily black ooze of the well stood holding the hammer in mid-stroke above her head. Her face twisted in rage, eyes blazing as they set themselves on Rune. Hi, Mother! Rune exclaimed and immediately knelt before her. Forgive my impudence. You! You failure as a high priest! You fool of a human! Rune kept his head down as he questioned, I don't understand, High Mother. What have I done wrong? Look. She pointed to a spot where two rotting carcasses lay festering on the stone floor. Do you know what those are, Tolan Rune? Do you know what your incompetence has cost me, Tolan Rune? Rune froze, shaking, aghast at the twisted remains. Those were my children. Those are what's left of Tim Rogers and Claire Thomas. And what 
do I ask have you been doing? Obviously, she continued, throwing the chalice at him. Not taking care of things here, as promised. You can't hold me responsible for that. Her faulty nature is not of my doing. Oh, oh, right, right. She moved in close, lifting his chin as she spoke. It's my fault she was able to steal the cup and dagger. It's my fault she swapped a human girl for Michael Thomas. I think if I recall, it was your suggestion to use that man's wife's soul to create her. That was true, and he had regretted that decision. He had thought that maybe that he'd have more control over Tim Rogers by using his earthly mother's soul. What he didn't count on, what he couldn't have known, was that the conversion would drive her mad. Most dolls didn't have any memories of their previous life, but Claire was always seeking a real family, always trying to recreate what she had lost. How could I have known? Rune argued. How could I have foreseen her descent into madness? You, she responded. You're my chosen leader for the cult. I have blessed you with strength and power, Rune. Strength and power I can take away. You only have tonight to sacrifice that woman. Do not fail me again, or it'll be the last thing you do. Yes, mistress. She pulled forth the dagger Hicks had used to kill Rogers and thrust it into the earth by Rune's feet. Don't lose that again. Now, find that woman before they manage to. Cassandra turned, throwing the hammer into the gong, denting it, the sound overwhelming the temple grounds. Rune growled in displeasure. He didn't like being threatened. Worse, he didn't like being scared. But like Rogers, he was of the High Mother. She had sought him out. He pounded his fist against the stone floor and took a deep breath. A swelling anger brewed from deep inside. Shaking off the remnants of fear, he stood once more and hollered at the sky. Hi, mother! Watch your son! Watch, as I will ensure our victory! Picking up the dagger and running it across his hands, he sprayed blood into some nearby dirt. Ekyal! Ekyal! Bothlithmach! He mixed the dirt with some of his blood and formed them into small mounds while continuing his chant, Ekyal, Ekyal, Bothlibathk! Slowly, sprouting from the dirt, six sexless mud dolls stood before him. Taking his bleeding hand and placing it over their blank faces, he gave them eyes and life. Projecting an image into his head, he said, This woman is somewhere in the surrounding woods. You are to obtain her. Bring her to me. They bowed and rushed off into the late afternoon light. He looked up at the stars and smiled. They told him things would still go his way, that no matter what that cursed mystic and detective did, Ikyatsu would rise. All he had to do was ensure they obtained that accursed woman. Yes, that would bring them so much pain. Hick's eyes snapped open. Everything hurt, and she felt frozen in place as she desperately tried to move. Oh, God, no. She remembered everything. Rogers throwing her against the wall of the vault, the phantasmal presence of Michael Thomas, the twisted way Tim had eaten him, 
and then Claire Thomas. But she had escaped that nightmare, right? She remembered the cool morning air, the glaring early morning sun. How? How? She had blurred out. After everything Wendy, no, Nancy had done to save her, she was right back in the mouse's trap. Something cool and wet was holding her aloft, carrying her by the arms and legs through the thickets. Torchlight illuminated what she could make out of their faces. Wet, brown things with saucer-red-shaped eyes staring to nothingness as they marched silently. As the trees thinned, she could hear a low chanting and catch glimpses of twisted painted faces, sick and evil laughter, and tortured delight as the woods around her changed into an open clearing. A deep guttural voice echoed into the night. Aha! Bring her to me! The mudmen turned to the sound of his voice and marched slowly up a stone pathway. Rising like teeth on either side were tentacle-shaped columns reaching into the air. So, this is the source of all my pain, all my trouble. His face was pale, painted with blue tattoos that cut and twisted in unusual manners. Lay her out on the table and tie her down so that she cannot resist. The mudmen marched up the stone steps towards a table surrounded by skulls. Hicks could hear them crunch like twigs under the mudmen's feet. She felt them rip the remains of her dress off and the icy cold table on her bare back as they laid her out. The chanting grew louder and she could hear a clattering noise like teeth. She tried to look around, but all she could see was the columns holding the torches. She wanted to run, to scream, to resist, but all her strength was gone. She just lay there looking up endlessly into the night sky, hoping, praying that someone would save her. Please, oh God, please. A knock came at the door and Jonah answered it. A seven-foot-tall man with reddish skin and cropped black hair stood before him. Hello, Mr. Alistair, Jonah said. Master Jonah, all has been prepared. Has he obtained the sword? Yes, Mr. Alistair. Then we should go. The cult will not wait long to make their move. No, that they won't. Have you received any word on his friend Hicks? We're not a hundred percent certain, but a human woman matching her description was seen being carried off by some of Rune's mudmen. Then we should hurry. If I'm reading the stars correctly, they plan on sacrificing her so they can unleash Ikyatsu. Does he know? Mr. Alistair asked. No, Jonah frowned. He had hoped for better news. What are your orders, Master? Alistair asked with a growl. You must take Stevens and I to the gate. And shall I accompany you? Alistair inquired, already knowing the answer. No, Mr. Alistair. I believe the cult will come here and try to reobtain Alex Kuchma. I want you to stay here and help protect them. Alistair smiled. While this does please me, what will you do if she is there? I will cross that road when we get there, Jonah answered. As you wish, young master, the old demon bowed. Shall we? Not yet. Give me a few minutes. I think I'd better let Stevens know. Yes, <laughs> that would be wise. 
he walked off, knowing that Stevens might react poorly to seeing someone such as himself. Warren, Jonah called out. Warren said excuse me and stepped outside. He found Jonah staring up at the sky. We need to talk. Okay, what? It appears Geraldine Hicks is in the hands of Master Rune. Warren's face grew flushed. I'm sorry. We were unsuccessful at retrieving her. Unfortunately, your old friend Rogers did a number on her. And even though she managed to escape, she collapsed. Rune moved in quickly and secured her. Then we need to move. Yes, I agree, Jonah replied. If we're lucky, Rune will be preoccupied with sacrificing her and will be just facing the cultist. Warren grabbed him. Lucky? You just said... Sacrificing Hicks. Yes. We'll only have a few minutes to get through them and stop him, but... But... But, Jonah continued, if she comes, the High Mother... Rune will also come to battle. The High Mother? Warren had heard the reference before. Yes, Lady Cassandra, the creator of the Cadric Order, daughter of Silene, a high demon of the Waste. Oh, she sounds charming. You have no idea, Jonah said with a frown. The look on Jonah's face told Warren that she was bad news. So, what do we do? I can handle Rune, and if I'm right, They'll make a move to obtain Alex Kuchma as well. Warren gave him an incredulous look. You're not planning on taking her with us? No, no, I'm not stupid. That's why I had Maggie grab Donaldson and arrange to have Mr. Alistair watch the gate. To be honest, he's been looking forward to getting his hand on those cultists for a long time. Okay, so I'll deal with this lady, Cassandra? Jonah said nothing. He just looked at the sword Uriel had left them. While it would be a significant weapon, and perhaps. That won't be an easy task. Not even for me, Jonah said. However, I want you to be prepared for this. If she's there, then most likely they'll have succeeded with the sacrifice. And if they manage to put Hicks' heart into that well, it's over. Stevens looked grim. Then she, that Lady Cassandra lady... Better pray that Hicks is alive. Because if they've hurt her... Warren. What? He growled at Jonah. Keep your rage in check. Remember, they're counting on your emotions getting the better of you. If you lose control, and if Ikyatsu comes forth, no one, not I, not Mr. Alistair, not Uriel, will be able to stop him. Why? Why does something like Ikyatsu even exist? Warren snapped at him. And why are we stuck dealing with such a monster? Jonah never got a chance to reply. A figure approached out of the darkness, his long shadow forcing the detective to look up. He bowed at the two men. It is time. Okay, Mr. Alistair. I think we're ready. Warren? He looked at Mr. Alistair with uncertainty and then he replied, Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. The cottage door opened, and Detective Donaldson stepped out into the cool night air. Hey, you guys aren't leaving me behind, are you? Oh, you're a big fella. Rich extended his hand, trying to be friendly. Um, hey, I'm Rich. Alistair just bowed again. Rich and Stevens couldn't help but notice the stumps on his head. Jonah shook his head and smiled at the detective. As a matter of fact, Detective Donaldson, Jonah said, 
we are. But, he protested, thanks to that crow lady, I'm healed. I'm, I'm revving and ready to go. Detective, I admire your courage, but I need you here. Once the cult realizes that Alex Kutchman's body is here, they'll come for it. But, don't worry, small human. I'll be staying behind too so you won't have to face them by yourself. <laughs> um, I guess that's, uh, good to know. <laughs> Alistair laughed. Come, Master Jonah and Detective Stevens. I will take you to the gate. Warren embraced Rich. Take care of them, will ya? You make it sound like you're not coming back. Warren just smiled as the three headed towards the cemetery. They crossed their way past the rosemary bushes and the columns making up the entrance. Warren watched Mr. Alistair with curiosity. While there was a brief hissing noise as they stepped through the entrance, he seemed undisturbed. Do you have an issue with me, Master Stevens? Alistair inquired as they approached the mausoleum that marked the center of the cemetery. More like concerns and questions, Warren responded truthfully. He wasn't sure what the relationship between him and Jonah could be. I gather you don't believe that someone like me could be, how would you put it, reborn? Honestly, Mr. Alistair, I hadn't given it much thought. Yes, and I imagine you wouldn't. The church, your church, always praying things that ask for our destruction instead of our salvation. We were born from him too, you know, and with him, all things are possible. Like I said, Warren responded. Until now, I hadn't given it much thought. I always assumed. Yes, I know human. It's one of your people's flaws. But yes, salvation came to me a long time ago in the waste. Warren looked at his face. He could see that he was distant, reliving the memory his face had such sorrow in it. Now he understood. I'm sorry, Warren said. For? Judging you. You're right. I assumed. It's fine, human. We all grow and learn. Your race faster than most. Which is why there is a great hope for your people. Jonah listened to the conversation and smiled. Yes. There was definitely hope. Warren... You have the sword, right? Yeah, why? Do you see that slot next to the door? I need you to push the blade into it. Warren looked at the structure. Etchings of flowers and vines were inscribed as adornments on each side of the doors, winding their way until they reached a sun pouring out of a chalice at the top. He looked to where Jonah was pointing and saw a hammer-shaped hole. Warren held out the sword parallel to the earth and slid the blade into the slot. Like this? The hammer-shaped part acted like a key, and they could hear the sound of massive tumblers rolling as the earth beneath them shook. The marble doors falling backwards, revealing a black, empty void. An icy wind gusts past them, and Alistair smiled a little. It reminds me of home. Home? Yes, Mr. Stevens. Home. Okay, you can pull the blade back out, Jonah said. Are you ready? I guess so. Mr. Alistair, once we leave, seal that door and return to the cottage. 
I suspect they'll need your talent soon. Alistair bowed. As you wish. Warren? Yeah? When we get to the other side, we won't have much time. Hold off using the sword until you know for sure how and when it's best to use it. If I'm right, it will tell you. Warren looked down at the blade. Great, he thought to himself. Another mystery. As they entered the gate, Jonas sensed one more thing and frowned. A spirit moved past them in the rift. It had such a sense of sadness, relief, and love. Light exploded around them, and within seconds they found themselves standing just beyond the stone tentacle-shaped archways that marked the Church of INA. As Jonah and our hero Detective Stevens step through the gate to confront the cult, Alex Kuchma waits at another gate for someone to bring her home. And who was it that Jonah sensed in the rift? Is it already too late to save our friend Geraldine Hicks? Or was that the soul that guided Alex to where she needed to be? Hmm, I wonder. Now the stage for the final battle, the final conflict has been set. All the required participants are in their place. And as the new moon reaches its peak, you can almost feel a stillness in the air as we head into chapter 18, Loss.